Welcome to the Tool Belt. I'm your host, Anna Townsend, Managing Editor of Plant Services. Today, I'm talking with Andy Kling, Vice President of Cybersecurity and Product Security Officer for the Industrial Automation Arm of Schneider Electric. We're talking today about the important work he's doing as part of the International Society of Automation's Global Cybersecurity Alliance. This group is working hard to address important cybersecurity issues for the industry, such as the development of the 62443 standards for security vulnerabilities in industrial automation and control systems. So we're going to talk about this important standard as well as other topics like where to start with your cybersecurity program, cloud security, and cybersecurity for the future. All right. Well, thanks, Andy, for joining me today. Uh, why don't you just tell us a little bit about what you do at Schneider Electric and how that led into your involvement with the International Society of Automation's Global Cybersecurity Alliance. Um, and maybe tell us a little bit about the ISA and the, the GCA as well. Sure. Um, it's a good question. For, I mean, especially when you ask me about myself, that's a good question always. <laughs> um, uh, I, my, my title, I'm the Vice President of Cybersecurity Product Security Officer for uh, the industrial automation arm of Schneider Electric. This means I'm responsible for numerous um, industrial control system uh, automation, process automation type uh, product families uh, across the company. My responsibilities lie in ensuring that we deliver secure products, systems, and services. Uh, and that covers a wide variety of, of topics from standards committees to government influence and government involvement to uh, driving our secure development life cycle so that we produce uh, good, secure, consistently secure products here. Um, the second part, uh, which was about, um, you know, what, what led to my involvement with the International Society of Automations, ISA's Global Cybersecurity Alliance. That's a, that's a really interesting story. Um, so several years ago now, uh, Schneider Electric was involved in a rather infamous cyber incident. And some colleagues of mine and I were sitting around one day saying, we want to share what's going on. We want to share it with the industry. We want to share it with, with our colleagues, the other OEMs and the customers in, in, uh, in this industry. And there was no good forum for this. Yes, there are the ISACs, which allow you to report upwards into government agencies. Um, and then they can determine how that information flows down and out. Um, but there was no way for us to go horizontally across and, you know, we're Schneider Electric, pick up the, you know, we're, all I had was pick up the phone and call Rockwell, pick up the phone and call Siemens and uh, it, in order to share this information. So what we really said is we need an alliance. We need a way for us to come together because we all have a common interest here. We're not competing in this space. We're trying to share in this space. And that really was sort of this, this genesis, this birth of this idea about how this global cybersecurity alliance should come together. Um, I have to say that, you know, other, other um, OEMs in the space, other customers um, immediately got it and, and uh, were able to move forward pretty quickly uh, to get the global cybersecurity alliance put together. Um, and, and from there, you know, the, the, I have to really uh, give uh, a lot of props to the Global Cybersecurity Alliance, their leaders, um, because they've taken the idea and it didn't just turn it into, you know, some sort of commercial venture, but really taken the spirit of, of what we're trying to accomplish here, this 
this sharing and 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 growth of uh, cybersecurity together, um, and they've really helped drive it. And there's multiple directions that they're constantly involved in right now, um, achieving some really important things um, at the at the international level. And uh, you know, at the, in the beginning, there was industry pundits who were who were looking to say. You know, this is just another alliance put together for commercial purposes and and uh, and really sort of uh, downplaying the, the potential of this. Uh, but I have to say that we have uh, exceeded everybody's expectations and continue to grow and continue to be successful. Um, anybody listening, anybody reading here today, I really encourage you to think about joining the Global Cybersecurity Alliance uh, because I think there's a lot of benefits for everybody. That's great. What a great place for industry to share and and come together. Um, and how long has this alliance been together? Or how long have you guys been working? Um, I think it was originally formed in 2018. I only know this because um, it's coming up on dues time, and we were review, reviewing, um, you know, what we've paid and what, what what I have to make sure I budget. But yeah, I think it's it's been since uh, um, 2018. Um, since it's been together. So yeah, really, we're talking three short years, um, yet we have numerous documents and training courses and uh, government influences, um, you know, dealing with with laws and regulations that are emerging from governments that we're influencing. Um, we have the um, uh, the incident response solution, ICS for, for ICS. Um, you know, there's just so many things going on. Um, and it all happened in three years. I just... The mind boggles if you if you if you project forward you know into the future the next three years the next five years um, what we're going to accomplish what we're going to take on as uh, as an industry and really try to uh, to solve. Yeah, things are really moving fast. Um, and cybersecurity, what an important topic these days, especially for industry. I think the pandemic has only um, increased its importance as well. And we've all heard all the horror stories about ransomware attacks recently and and possibly even worse when you're considering uh, critical infrastructure industries. So, you know, where where does industry start? What's your advice uh, these days regarding cybersecurity programs? What's the most important thing facilities should be thinking about if they're worried about attacks and kind of where do they start? Yeah, um, you know, when I talk with my teams, when I talk at industry level, what I talk about is what is the mission of cybersecurity? What are we trying to accomplish? And it comes down to a rather straightforward concept. Our job is to understand cyber risk, identify those risks, where they are, and then manage those risks. That's really what, what our, as cybersecurity professionals, that's what our job is. Understand the risks, identify where those risks exist, and then manage those risks. So when you think about that, where do you start? Where do, where do you say, you know, you said what's some of the most important things we should be thinking about or worried about if we're worried about these kind of attacks? The starting point is the human element. You know, it's 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 your it's your softest part of your attack surface. Um, it, we all know that we're constantly being bombarded with with um, statements about understanding what phishing attacks are, and and we probably all have to take some form of annual training on cybersecurity. But the human element is going to be one of your your most important starting points because that's where most attacks begin. Uh, once you get past that, once you feel like you have good staff in place, your your staff understands cybersecurity and the risks, 
I would say that you need to move on to think about uh, um, thinking about your plant, your your business, what your attack surface looks like. What are you exposing to the world? Do you have a, you mentioned uh, the pandemic a moment ago and, and, and COVID? Everybody knows that that turned into um, remote access, you know, a, a real stress on, on businesses ability to provide remote access to suddenly a, a, a workforce that was spread to the winds. Um, you know, so so that attack surface grew. So really what I'm saying is understand your attack surface. Once you understand that, you'll understand where it is you have to perform risk assessments, where you have to look to say, I need to shore up in these areas. You know, we have a good, we have good strong um, remote access solution, but perhaps our password management or our multi-factor authentication uh, capabilities could be beefed up, could be strengthened so that we have uh, we have stronger a stronger solution in that space. But you won't know if you don't spend time to analyze it and then assess uh, potential risks. Um, if you're worried about attacks, what I say is, imagine an attack has happened. Now what? You know, so do you have an incident response program in place? Um, so do you know how to go out and and deal with uh, an incident, identify that that incident is underway, and then deal with it very quickly? Or are you going to run around panic, start unplugging everything? Uh, I mean, maybe that's your response strategy and you've tested it and that's good, but you should have a plan. You should know how you're going to, to um, respond if an attack takes place. And in that category then is, do you have strong backup and restore procedures? Uh, because one of the surest ways to deal with ransomware is to is to restore um, restore from clean backups. I want to be careful to say that because sometimes ransomware infects your backup systems as well. So you have to make sure that you have good strong solutions in these places. So you know if you're worried about attacks, think about the human element. Think about assessing what your attack surface looks like so that you can make plans to to continuously strengthen and uh, and deal with where you might be weak. Um, have a backup and restore solution and have an incident response plan. Um, an incident response plan, by the way, that you've probably uh, practiced in a tabletop exercise or two. Okay, lots for people to think about there, but that's a great outline, I think, to give people an idea of where to start. Uh, let's talk about data a little bit. You know, we're really in a world where digital technology and, and data analysis is, is changing operations, improving operations, um, but this also brings some added security risks. So how can factories utilize digital technology and still stay safe? Um, or sort of what are some of the key areas uh, that facilities should be aware of in regards to protecting their data? Yeah. Yeah. So, so first, you know, there's there's no doubt that IoT, IIoT, ITOT convergence, however you label it, um, the speed of business today is accelerating to match the speed of the operations within their plants. So th there's zero doubt that there is there is real value in the way this works. Um, to drive businesses in this fashion at the speed that they're trying to, to run at now, they need to have access to the data, um, the data that you mentioned. Um, and, and to do that, they're, that's how they're going to recognize the value. They're going to be able to, to make decisions um, in a much tighter time frame. I, you know, I've been in this in industry a long time, and my wife was in the IT industry for a long time. And I remember uh, weekly reports on the green bar paper, and the business would make decisions on these weekly and monthly and quarterly reports that came out. 
those days are long over. We're making decisions now, sometimes at, at, at five, six second levels. You know, the, the price of electricity changes every every few seconds. You know, can you make business decisions based on the price of electricity, for example? Um, so from a cybersecurity standpoint, we have a responsibility to help enable the business um, to, to have access to this data that we're talking about. So if the business has to have access to this data, then we have to have a strategy. We, as cyber professionals, we have to have a strategy. We have to think about how the data flows, how it moves through the system, um, who or what has access to this data, um, and then how we're going, what our strategy is to protect that data. Um, and, and what I want to say is, if you don't know how to do this, if you don't understand your data flows, um, get help. Um, get, you know, get, reach out to your IT department, bring in some external contract resource, but get some help so that you can understand how your data is moving around, because that's going to help define your strategy about how you have to have to protect this data. And then don't think of this as an event. Think of this as a continuous process because it's going to constantly be evolving and you're going to have you're going to have business peaks and troughs and you, your data is going to flow differently um, during the different seasonalities of your business. So think about that as well. Think of cybersecurity and the protections that, that you have to enact to protect this data as a continuous effort, constantly reassessing, constantly adjusting your plans. Great. I like that idea of the continuous process. Um, no matter what it is, it, it's always changing. Um, and I, I think as an example, more and more facilities are adopting cloud storage versus versus on-prem storage. Um, you know, is the cloud safe? I think that's ultimately what everybody wants to know. Um, or what kind of general guidelines can you talk about um, that facilities should have in place to make sure that the cloud is safe for them? Yeah. Yeah, so so we're talking about safe. We're talking about secure for for on-prem or off-prem um, storage. And like like any platform decision that you make, uh, these can be complex complex decisions with complex questions. Um, you know, an on-premise database that is connected, say through remote access or some other means, but doesn't have um, good protections can be can be as dangerous as an unreliable cloud partner. Um, you know, the choice of the, the platform you make is going to depend on a lot of different factors. If we just if we just spend some time, you know, factors like like cost and availability and all sorts of things that are maybe tangentially um, involved in, in cybersecurity, but not directly in uh, in cybersecurity. Um, so if we just focus on on the cyber aspects, you need to think about a couple of things here. You need to think about um, if we're making a decision about do we go on-prem or off-prem for our data storage, ask yourself on, and give honest answers. Um, are you capable of providing the necessary security? 724-365, are you capable of providing that necessary security uh, to match today's needs? And remember what I said a moment ago, you're going to be constantly assessing and reassessing because the needs constantly are evolving as well. Um, just, I mean, just look back two two years ago. Ransomware was very different than it is today, um, and it's a, it's a much larger challenge here today to deal with. Businesses need to adapt to that reality. Uh, the second thing it, it, that you should be asking yourself is to think about data in in a couple of different states. And what I mean by that is, 
your data is either going to be moving over a wire from, say, the edge to the cloud or the edge to an on-premise uh, data store of some sort. Um, so that's data in motion or data at rest. The data has come to rest in a database, and that database could exist on-prem or in the cloud. Um, so if you think about these two states, um, now you're, what you want to think about is, how do I protect my data in each state? In motion, we traditionally want to think about things like, um, like VPNs and, and uh, um, secure networks. We think about encryption technology. Um, but keep in mind that it's not just confidentiality. You're not just trying to keep um, your data from somebody else seeing it while it's in motion. You also have to think about it. Did it get to the destination? You know, so that's availability. Um, you know, so do you have? If you're going to the cloud, do you have multiple connections to that cloud? Does your partner have ways to fail over servers in case they have hardware failures, which happen uh, alarmingly frequently? Uh, you know, so think about these these different scenarios, if you will, and make sure that you're taking into account more than just confidentiality. You're taking into account the availability that I mentioned and uh, the integrity of that data while it's moving around on the wire. Um, you know, so the other state, data at rest, um, you need to think there about some of some different um, strategies. Now that they that data at rest, attackers know where they you know they know where they want to go get this data. It's stored at this location. It's in a Microsoft SQL Server or it's in in some other data store, and uh, and they're going to devise their attack based on the reconnaissance and the discovery of of what your your um, platform of choice um, is, is using. Uh, so think about the scenarios, go through and, and, and understand what those threats are and then build strategies around that. Again, this is one of those things that it requires, it sometimes requires a cyber professional to come in and help you walk through this threat analysis to, to go through these, these risk assessments so that you, you can be confident that you've thought of the scenarios. You can be confident that you know the TTPs, the, the tools, techniques, and procedures that are being used by attackers today. You can have confidence that, that, that you have prepared yourself as well as you can. And as soon as you're confident that you have done all of that, throw that out because it's almost time to start reassessing again. Interesting. Well, thinking specifically specifically about the cloud, I was at a conference last week and there was a lot of talk about the cloud and, and the focus was really that now is the time for cloud. The last few years, people were really skeptical about it. There was a lot of questions. Cloud providers had to explain to people what the cloud was, whereas now customers are asking for it and they're 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 searching out cloud solutions. Do you do you agree with that? um for the most part yeah yeah i do even though i'm an older guy i'm not stuck in a paradigm that i grew up with um i recognize that today's generation is is growing up with a, a piece of glass in front of them you know whether it's a phone or a tablet of some sort um, but they have a piece of glass in front of them and they have no idea where the computing is taking place for all the applications that they're using or games or um, or communications that they're using. They have no idea where this compute takes place. It's becoming an accepted norm uh, because this generation is growing up with it. The reason it's becoming, becoming an accepted norm is because it's getting more secure, because it's getting more, more reliable, uh, because the connectivity is, is, uh, 
is improving all the time. You know, we got 5G that's coming. That's that's even going to take another big step change in that connectivity. And it's it's uh, very easy to get connected to all of this now. That wasn't the case years ago. And, you know, the cloud was a big unknown. Um, but in pulling back, pulling back the veil on what the cloud is and who the players are and who the providers are, people are becoming more accepting. Now, I'm not saying that you, just because it's Microsoft or just because it's Amazon or just because it's, you know, some other major cloud provider that you you blindly accept that they do it right. I can personally admit that I've had people on my teams that have had have had a, a Azure um, servers hacked um, because they didn't enable the proper security controls on that server and they lost control of it. Um, fortunately, it's in the cloud. You just flush it and uh, and start up a new one and do it right this time. And we learned a big lesson when that happened. Um, but uh, you know, so what I'm saying is. I think the cloud is here. I think the cloud is now. I think that the veil is being pulled back and people are understanding it better for what it is. Um, and the value propositions are certainly um, real, very, very real. Um, and just don't do it blindly. You know, if, if, if you're trying to run your business and you're going to have um, cloud extensions as part of your platforming strategy, understand who your partners are, understand what controls need to be in place, just like just like if it was a platform on-premise. Great. Well, let's switch gears a little bit and we'll talk a little bit about your work with, with ISA. Um, you know, we do have some inter international standards to guide cybersecurity requirements and procedures, thanks to that group um, and their work with IEC, who is the International Electrotechnical Commission. So they've created the 62443 standards. So sort of tell us about that and, and what's most important for industry to understand about these standards. Ah, okay. So I've been answering this question for, for many, many years. Uh, I, I personally am part of the work groups that helps produce the, uh, the 62443 suite of cyber standards here. Um, and, and the best and most simplest explanation I can use is when you talk about cybersecurity with someone, it's very difficult to pin down what does cyber secure mean and how do you know you've, you've reached a point? How do you know you're cyber secure? Um, it's, it's one of those terms that are very difficult, very, very soft and squishy and difficult to, to pin down. Well, 62443, at least in the industrial control space, has taken on that and has defined what cyber secure means. And I can say we here because I'm part of them. Um, we have spent time to say if you're a network device, this is what we this is what we mean by being secure. You you have the following functions in place, and you follow the following practices when you create a network device or a control device or or a host. Um, you know, and and so it ha we have taken step by step and defined how to uh, how, uh, from a plant owner standpoint how to um, assess your plants and build a risk strategy. We have taken time to define. Um, as, as OEMs producing the, the, the devices and the systems to define the security controls that go into the devices. And we have taken time to, to, to define how, how you securely deploy these solutions into, into, um, into the field. So, you know, we've tried to imagine the entire breadth from the moment you conceive of the need for a product in a plant or a solution in a plant all the way through the birth of that product and the delivery of that product 
even in some cases all the way through the end of life of that product. Um, how do you securely dispose of, of say, a control device that might have uh, intellectual property stored in it? So 62443 embodies that, that, in, that entire breadth of thinking about what is cybersecurity through this entire life cycle. Um, now, 62443 isn't done. It will never be done. Why? Because the world is constantly changing. Technology is changing out from underneath us, and it's forcing a different way of thinking. You know, we're we're moving fast towards open platforms. Uh, cloud is, has um, enabled IoT, IIoT. Um, we we have ITOT convergence, forcing the movement of data um, from operations to business and, and back. Um, you know, so all of these things are are changing the face of what industrial control systems look like. So 62443 as a standards body is also constantly evolving to meet these, these standards. Uh, now the difference between ISA and IEC, ISA works on the standards and we take it out at the industry level and we, we, we uh, modify it and agree as an industry, this is what it looks like. When we get to IEC, we use them to publish our standards. So they take it out to the countries and, and ask the countries, do you see um, do you see this standard as as usable in your country? And so they come back and give us comments. And then the work groups within ISA work on it further. By the time we get through all of this process, we have we have ratified it across the industries. We have ratified it across the countries where there are there are regulatory agencies and controlling agencies looking at these standards. And so IEC then takes it to the world for us and uh, and produces this this standard. Uh, on top of that, we have uh, certification bodies that help us ensure that, uh, you know, through third-party assessment, um, whether it's plants, delivery organizations, OEMs building products, um, whatever has been defined within the standard, it helps us assure that we're, we're through a third-party assessment, we're doing it properly. Uh, it's, it's a great program. It really is a great program. And what, what I say here, again, remember, all the way back to the beginning of our conversation. I'm from Schneider Electric. What I say is we paint, we use 62443 as the canvas to paint our cybersecurity program upon. It, it, it underlies everything that we think about when it, when it comes to cybersecurity. Great, thank you for that, for that outline. I've heard some folks talking about 62443 in terms of just being so important for establishing terminology around cybersecurity and kind of giving the industry a common language that they really didn't even have in order to discuss some of these issues. So really great. Exactly. Exactly. Your 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 brain would would fry if you sat through some of our standards meetings where we just argue the the one term for weeks on end sometimes. Right. All right, well, let's let's look towards our crystal ball a little bit. And it's, you know, cybersecurity, like you said, is changing so quickly. And I don't imagine that's going to stop anytime soon. Um, so it's been a busy few years. But but what about the future? What is uh, that hold for cybersecurity and specifically for industry? Um, or maybe what should uh, facilities be looking out for next year in 2022? I would say that there's probably four things that we want to pay attention to that's going to help define where cybersecurity is going. Um, the first is, is um, you know, we, we need to think about supply chain. But cybersecurity doesn't begin sort of at, at the moment a, a piece of hardware is born. 
but it actually begins farther back when those components to make that hardware were sourced. And behind that, when the source code that was used to create um, those components that went into that piece of hardware were, were, was uh, born. And, you know, go all the way back, but all the way then forward to, um, to the point where these components are being used in the field. So if you think about supply chain, what do you want? You want transparency in the, in, in the supply chain. So I think that that is going to be one of the big things that helps change. With that transparency in the supply chain, we can start to think about faster response times to vulnerabilities. We can think about provenance when we get into a, you know worldwide geopolitical sensitivities. You know, there's there's just just a dozen different ideas that you get once you start to think about transparency in the supply chain. So I think that that's important. I think that looking forward, we're going to see the speed of attacks increase. And this is purely driven by by um, um, technology. I mean, obviously, attackers are driven by whatever drives them, financial, geopolitical, whatever. Um, but but you're going to see the technology is going to help enable the attacks go faster. Um, so if attacks are going faster, then our defenses are going to have to be stronger. They're going to have to be faster as well. Remember. An attacker only has to be right once to be successful. A defender has to be right every single time. Um, and so we're going to have to improve uh, improve our cybersecurity responses to match those attacks, the speed of these attacks coming. Um, I think that we're going to get better at incident response. That's the third thing that's that's tied to um, this, this concept of of transparency in, in the supply chain and, and the speed of attacks. Um, if the speed of attacks is improving and we can we can um, identify these attacks faster because we have transparency and what's in our in our supply chain, we have we know where we're vulnerable. We once we know we're vulnerable that we're going to be able to look for these threats faster and identify these attacks sooner. Incident response is going to become more and more important um, for us, so that we can we can deal with it. Now, sometimes there's a term that's emerging these days called SOAR, um, security orchestration automated response. Um, and uh, uh, you know, this term SOAR really is about if if attackers are automating their attacks, can we automate our responses to these attacks? Um, yes, I know it sounds like a robot uprising, um, and in some respects it is, but uh, but that's really where things are are, are moving. Um, so that's that's kind of the third area. And then the fourth area we covered a little bit already, but I'll just say it out loud. Um, standards have to rise to meet it. We have to have this common definition of what secure looks like and what success looks like when you've achieved that security level. And uh, and so the standards have to help us. And that's going to be one of these things that continues to evolve and you should, everybody should be looking and participating and supporting these standards, these standards organization, because it is, it is the backdrop to a lot of what we do in the cybersecurity space. Well, it's kind of a race with technology and, and sort of who can utilize that better. And hopefully industry has the leg up there with all the, the good work that you guys are doing on the standards and, and out in the industry. Um, so thank you, Andy, so much for your time. That was a great outline of kind of where to start with cybersecurity and, and where industry is going. Thank you for, uh, for all your good questions.